What's up, folks? This is the Investor Weekly News Update for March 27th, 2023. If you guys want updates, you can check back from past weeks. You can go to simplepass at cashflow.com slash investor letter. But let's get into it as we start to roll into another week, recapping a lot of the uh, the bank, SVB bank, and talking a lot about interest rates. Interest rates just went up by a quarter point, but we'll get more into that. But the first article I wanted to discuss today came from John Burns, Real Estate Consulting Group. They give a lot of more in-depth, more nuanced type of articles. And this one was talking about um, basically the weather report for the build-to-rent kind of sector. A lot of what's happening out there, homeowners cannot afford to buy houses because the interest rates are just too high right now and the affordability is way, way down. I'm seeing a lot of these development, single-family home um, lots where they were trying to sell it, but now they just switched it to a ad hoc build to rent strategy. It works, right? I think that's at the end of the day, why we ch choose real estate as our primary investment vehicle, because in, in good times, you can sell it for a great return and kind of cash in on that equity. But in bad times, you just hold in cash. And I think you've started to see in the last couple of years, a lot of people just straight up just build stuff to rent it out in the single family home world. Obviously, that's the case for apartments. You don't really build something for condos unless you take it more high-end condos. One of the first is here, most people are sitting on the sidelines. Everybody recognized that the market has shifted. Quarter four saw less leasing traffic and moderating rent growth. Quarter one, 2023 has seen improved demand and rent growth, similar to performance for sale housing market. What's becoming more important than amenities is the rent. And this is from the tenant's eyes. Uh, which makes a lot of sense, right? Because with the, I, I guess I'm predicting that we're either in a recession or there will be a recession next year where interest rates are putting the economy. I think it's finally gone on the street where most people are being a little bit more budget conscious. Single family and built to rent benefit from home buying challenges. And that's what I was mentioning. The residential rental space benefits from the for sale affordability challenges. People can't afford to buy houses and therefore an increased desire to leave an apartment for a mill pet-friendly, lower-density rental where it's easier to work. And what we're talking about in particular are more your higher-end rental renters. I've always said, unfortunately, the demographics out there, like it's that lower middle class, the, the majority of America, they're just going to have to live in smaller and smaller quarters, and those would be apartments. Lastly, the high borrowing rates have slowed investment, but optimism remains there is a cautious optimism in the market that rates will come down as forecast in the bond market and home prices will fall, which has clearly been happening with new homes. This combination, along with today's strong wage growth, will allow single-family rentals and built-to-rent businesses to kick back up. I'm just concerned with the build-to-rent stuff on the single-family home. Are they they're mass-producing these things very quickly? It's just going to create a glut of supply in that that range that I guess we sit right below that in the apartment world, but is this going to create that glut of supply in that sector of, you know, people making I'm going to say sixty to hundred thousand dollars a year, where now they can afford a two thousand twenty five hundred dollar a month three bedroom four bedroom single family home. I don't know. I'm willing to bet, I guess I'm putting my money where my mouth is that there's more and more demand for people just under there between $1,500 a month in rent, and maybe the cap would be $2,000 a month. Of course, everybody wants a three or four bedroom house, but 
and not many people can afford it or the majority cannot. Some other details on that report that we have here, I'm not going to go into detail, but if you guys want to check this out on the YouTube channel, you guys can again go to simplepassivecashflow.com slash investor letter. But we'll move on to the next article from CNBC, inflation gauge increased 0.4% in February as expected and up 6% from a year ago. So the important thing to note here is we are off the highs of about 9.1 and down about a third. We're not to that Fed goal of 2% that they keep talking about. I think that's not possible. And I feel like they also think that it's not possible either, but they're going to keep saying it, right? They're going to keep saying it. Inflation rose in February, but in line with expectations, likely keeping the Federal Reserve on track for another interest rate hike next week, despite recent banking industry turmoil. And that this is a little bit older article from earlier in the week. And that did come come through with that 0.25% increase. And I'll talk a little bit more about that in the next article. If you guys haven't yet, and you guys want to get access to the longer reports, you can go to join our club, simplepassivecashflow.com slash club. And we do have a few slots open. If you guys want to book an onboarding call with myself, we take a look at into your situation. That is a free a complimentary call for pe new people who join. Again, go to simplepassivecashflow.com slash club. Like I said, Fed did raise the rates 0.25 basis. I actually thought that they were going to do half a percent, which is this is less than that. But that was before the whole the banking, little banking shakeup there we had this past week, which I think I did add in some of my comments last week on the podcast. Now, a little bit more time to stew over. All in all, I think the lesson learned is the problem with what those banks were doing is they didn't have a chief risk officer. And the chief risk officer probably should have said something about, hey, we shouldn't buy these 10-year bonds, which are a lot less yield. And they should have diversified between the one, three, five, or gotten some shorter term bonds. And that's where they got what that means for most people. Most people aren't doing that type of investing because y'all don't have enough money. If not, you probably wouldn't be listening to this podcast. What I take it as is you have to diversify and still keep your eye on what's going out there. The way as a business owner, I simply saw it as a bank that just didn't have their SOPs or somebody at the wheel. They literally didn't have anybody at the wheel or nobody said something that, hey, we should stop buying these 10-year bills and diversify. You know, that I think all too often we use the word diversification as a kind of catch-all for, oh, we should have done it in hindsight. But, and I'm not going to go there with, people's personal asset allocation mixes. But I think what I see it is if I'm going to pass on my wealth to somebody else down the line, or I can't expect them to, hey, if you got a gazillion dollars, just put it all into this particular ETF or this particular 10-year. They have to understand the reasons why they're doing that. And if things change in the economy or, or for example, the Fed got really hawkish and started jacking up interest rates in a very short period of time. These are the steps that you do. And this is why I will always come back to, it's not about really how much money you have it does, but it's more about financial education and understanding how this stuff works, understanding how to use safe leverage, everything we talk about, you doing the right things that are the smart way to do things, your net worth will grow over time. So what they're saying here in this article is what is this going to impact these higher rates for the credit cards, the borrowing rates. But this is, if you guys are new to this stuff, basically the Fed's biggest lever to manipulate the, the 
the money supply to satisfy their mandate, which is primarily to where I see it, keep the highs not as high and keep the lows not as low, right? To rate the economy. So in times where you have inflation, they want to cool that down. So they increase the interest rates via this method. Some people think it's really unfair. I th actually think that the Fed is benevolent dictator role, silent dictator role, right? They have a lot of power, a lot of control. I'd like to think that they are benevolent in their ways. Although some people out there, they have their conspiracy theories, of course. It flows down to home loans, auto loans, student loan rates, and then of course mortgages, which is really what hits close to home. This article from Chandon Economics talking about inflation impacts different classes of people. They're saying that for personal inflation rates are 2.6% points higher for renters than those homeowners. Basically saying the lower, the higher, the more affluent people are seeing that their dollars, the things that they pay for aren't going as high as people who are on the lower end of the, the demographics in terms of money. Which again, goes into that whole, the rich are getting richer, the poor are getting poor. And unfortunately, when they release a number like 6%, like how it is right now, that's not blanket across all asset classes or all individual things. It's based off of some rent, some strange composite out there that I'm sure will change in the next six months as the Fed will probably rejigger their definition to get better vanity metrics on inflation that always happens that's always continuous but within there there's always like certain things that go up like gas heating food certain types of food right just naming a bunch of random things here certain things that lower income people tend to buy more are going up quicker than the other i think the lesson learned from the whole banking fiascos that happened the last week and so government stepped in to back it up so that you didn't have a run in the bank and a panic. And that's what the government's supposed to do. People don't like bailouts it's in a way. And it's kind of like a hurricane, like a, na a literal natural disaster came through and the government kind of stepped in to avoid calamity. And that's what the government does. I think Powell got in a situation where, and Powell said himself, and I actually do agree that the banking was not a systemic issue. It was just, it was a in a way, a kind of a fluke where somebody fell asleep at the wheel, didn't diversify their portfolio. And that kind of started a domino effect that the government needed to step in. That happens from time to time. Those, I call that a black swan. It's unrelated with a lot of things and it's not a systemic issue. However, public perception sees the banking failures as a systemic issue. And the public perception, whether naive or not, we'll see that what happened as a direct impact to the Fed raising interest rates and demonizing the Fed, which I don't, I'm, I don't really believe in that personally. I think the Fed has the best intentions, whether they get it right or wrong, it's like how our parents parented us, they tried their best, I think wanted to go up half a percent. But I think for now, they went up with a quarter point, and I think we're going to see at least a few others coming. Maybe in, they may get back on the train of doing half a percent later on in the year. Still to come, I think the Wall Street has already priced in several more rate increases. I, and I think that's basically where we're at right now. We'll see you guys next week. If you guys have any questions, please submit it over to the team at simplepassivecashflow.com. And um, yeah, maybe we'll get like a go through some reader questions. But uh, thanks for listening, everybody. We'll see you guys next time. Bye.